When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The alternative of just staying in this conference for the next 13 years um, and trying to wait for that perfect alignment of, of, the, of the stars is, is the equivalent of, a, of a, a death by a thousand cuts. And each cut is a $30 million cut over the next 13 years. Florida State making it clear it's not thrilled living in the ACC. Meanwhile, the Big Ten perhaps taking advantage of the Pac-12's plight, exploring expansion. ESPN's Pete Thamel reporting today the league's presidents have given Commissioner Tony Petiti the authority to explore adding Oregon and Washington. I'm Matt Schick. Welcome in to College Football Live, joined by the aforementioned Pete Thamel, who's consecutive show streak uh, continues, Pete, because this story is not going away. What is the significance of today's news that you reported on? Yeah, man, I think that this morning's news out of the Big Ten is sort of a, a, an incremental but important formality of the league moving forward for the potential addition of Oregon and Washington. The addition would likely come at a cut rate. There's no expectation that these two schools would be added at a full share. They would have to decide whether they would want to go and work their way up to full revenue sources shares in the league. And obviously, if they left behind the Pac-12, they'd be leaving it behind an easier path to the playoff. Uh, there are some headwinds here, Matt, that remain. Uh, USC may not be thrilled with this. They, they went to the Big Ten in part to keep those types of schools on the West Coast out of the L.A. recruiting market. And... There's other Big Ten schools, too, that aren't going to be getting any more money. So why would some of the Blue Buds or even the rank and file be part of throwing someone else a lifeline when they don't profit from it? That, that is the, the, the follow-up question here to this, Pete, because this is all about money. And these other schools, they want to benefit from adding another school or two. So if it wouldn't mean more money for each of the, the individual schools already in the Big Ten – why would they add two more? Well, they would add two more for the greater good of the conference, Matt. Uh, 30 years from now, the conference is going to be better off having Oregon and Washington in it. They're vibrant schools with great programs. They're in big markets. Uh, we are heading headlong into this era of super conferences. Nobody's blinking at that notion right now. They're two valuable properties on the board. But presidentially, did the Big Ten folks say, well, wait a minute. Perhaps we wait to see how things shake out in the ACC. Maybe we go get Virginia and North Carolina, which have always been coveted by both the Big Ten and the SEC. They're obviously locked in that ACC grant of rights you heard the uh, Florida State officials carping about earlier. Um, so it's, it's an interesting crossroads. The Big Ten also doesn't want to look predatory. So they're just not going to go snatch them. They want to see what else is going to unfold out west before they make any move. So... Just picture a big Spider-Man gif, everyone pointing around, <laughs> waiting for everyone else to make a move. 
All right, Pete, let's go out west where things are moving very quickly in the desert. The University of Arizona, a sought-after target of the Big 12, has scheduled another Board of Regents meeting for this evening. This will be their second meeting in three days. The board is the governing board for both Arizona and Arizona State. So, Pete, what do we expect to learn tonight? So I think what we're going to get tonight, Matt, is a, a comparison of notes, more so than a definitive vote about the direction of those schools. Uh, Arizona has been far ahead of Arizona State in its contact with the Big 12. Uh, that has obviously changed a little bit in tenor as things have gotten more uncertain over the days. Uh, my understanding is that the Board of Regents out there doesn't have the authority to, to say, you can't go, Arizona. But they do have the ability to strongly encourage the leaders of those universities to stick together. So I think there's a lot of ground to cover tonight. The finances of the Apple deal for the Pac-12, the finances of what the Big 12 deal would look like. Um, I wouldn't expect a definitive decision out of that meeting tonight. What are the chances, Pete, that some way, somehow, this Pac-12 uh, or Pac-9, I suppose, as we know it, stands the test of time and we see this survive? Well, I think it would be survival through inertia. Uh, college presidents are risk-averse creatures. College boards are even more risk-averse. Trying to get them to do something spontaneously in a tight time frame is sort of like taking a battleship and parallel parking it. So um, <laughs> I could see the leaders at Oregon, Washington, Arizona State, Utah be paralyzed into the status quo because the stakes are high and the decisions require some boldness that university presidents and athletic members don't tend to have. Look, there's familiarity in the Pac-12. There's obviously geographic resonance that comes with a league they're familiar with. And so um, also, like we said earlier, nobody wants blood on their hands for being the one that, that pulls the pin on the entire league. So there's still a lot of drama, still a lot of uncertainty. I've had sources tell me that there could be some clarity in the next 24 hours. The Pac-12, sources say, has a meeting tomorrow. But just boldly predicting there'll be definitive decisions that end this seems to ignore the last year of move deadlines. Yeah, Washington with a Board of Regents meeting tonight. So Pac-12 after dark, except none of it on the field. Pete Thamel, thanks so much. Appreciate it. I'm sure we'll talk to you again very soon. Meanwhile, the ACC has a media deal. It runs through 2036 along with their grant of rights. But that's not stopping Florida State from making it clear that they want out. At Wednesday's Board of Trustees meeting, school president Richard McCullough said the quiet part out loud is that I believe that FSU um, will have to, at some point, uh, consider very seriously uh, leaving the ACC unless there were uh, a radical change to the revenue distribution. What would it take to get out? How about winning Powerball? Florida State would have to pay $120 million in an exit fee and go to court to challenge the existing grant of rights, which gives the ACC media rights for its members' schools' home games through the length of its contract with ESPN, which runs through 2036. If not, Florida State would lose approximately $30 million in annual revenue from ACC media deal through 2036. You're talking half a bill Half a billion dollars combined. Uh, Andrea Adelson, ESPN.com, college football reporter and insider. You were in Tallahassee yesterday. We know that because we talked to you on this very program yesterday on College <laughs> Football Live. Uh, how legitimate are these threats 
to leave the ACC anytime soon. Look, what was said yesterday in that meeting is not anything different than what's been said publicly by their athletic director, Michael Alford. And by the way, in the meetings that uh, Richard McCullough and Michael Alford are having within the ACC, Everybody knows they are not happy with the current revenue distribution model. But here's the thing. When Michael Alford went public in February to say it's not sustainable, we have to do something, well, it turns out a few months later they changed the model a little bit. They put in some success initiatives that reward teams for on-field success in football and basketball. But that's not all Florida State wants. The change in the revenue distribution model that they want involves rewarding teams for the value of their media rights as part of that entire contract. That's where Florida State feels they bring a ton of value to the ACC when we're talking about brand, marketability, and, oh, by the way, television ratings. The problem is not everybody inside that uh, meeting room agrees that it should be done because guess what? Florida State would make a little bit more. Clemson would make a little bit more. Boston College would make a little bit less. And so when I asked Richard McCullough, why are you not optimistic that you can stay. I want to read his quote so that I get it right here. The opinions of different schools in the ACC vary. It will be hard, hard road, but we continue to talk. The commissioner is doing everything he can to help. We'll just have to see. He is in those rooms. He know what the temperature is with those presidents. Nobody right now has an appetite to change the revenue distribution model to include the media value for the schools. So if that is the case... The grant of rights thing is hanging out there, but it doesn't sound like Florida State is overly concerned about what we thought was a lock-hard agreement. Why? Well, when you talk to folks at Florida State, including Michael Offord, he'll tell you there are risks, but there are opportunities, right? We know what the risk is. You take this to court and you lose. And then what, right? You're just, you're in the ACC after you made a giant deal about having to weigh what all of your options are. But the opportunity is if you can have a winning strategy in court, it means you can get out and now be able to get the television revenue that you believe you deserve in one of those power two conferences. Problem, of course, is who knows if there's a landing spot in one of those power two conferences. They believe because of their brand marketability, all those things I just mentioned, there will be a home for them. But that's also a risk involved in trying to take this thing to court. And so when their board of trustee member goes out and says the grant rights isn't going to stop us, well, that's because they are looking at the grant rights with their team of lawyers. They're trying to put together a strategy to see if they can win in court. So it's not as if that document is going to stop them from taking action. They know what it's going to take to be able to take some action. The question is whether Florida State is going to eventually get there and when they get there, is it going to be sooner rather than later? Wow. Just, uh, it just continues to evolve day to day. Andrew Adelson, great stuff there in Tallahassee. We'll be in touch, I'm sure, as this continues to develop. Where will their landing spot be? Could it be the SEC? Here's what the commissioner, Greg Sankey, said to Heather Dinich when asked about adding Florida State. I've been clear that we are focused on our growth to 16 as we transition Oklahoma and Texas into the conference. Further expansion has not been a central topic in the SEC other than regularly updating our campus leadership on national development. We are proud of the stability the SEC provides our membership. Incredibly excited about our future. Let's welcome in now Tom Lugenbill and Harry Douglas. And guys, you've been listening and waiting patiently. As you heard from Pete Thamel, you heard the changes that are, that are happening here. And Andrea Adelson, 
this is a sport that we all grew up loving. You guys all grew up playing college football. Harry, what do you make of the changes we are seeing in this sport? I'll be honest with you, Matt. I think we're getting to a point, and we're not here yet, but in, in the future, uh, to the point where we're going to have what we have in a National Football League. I honestly feel like that. Where you have a National League and you have an American League, and you just have two conferences, and you have uh, 14 teams and on, uh, try to fight it out and try to see who has a, a, a winner when it comes to a national championship. Now, we, not, we aren't uh, there right now at this moment. I just feel like that's where we're going. When you look at the SEC and you see Oklahoma and Texas going there, you look at the Big Ten and what they're doing and who's going to their conference in 2024, and also Florida State being upset with their position in the ACC, and they aren't their only school. You also have Clemson as well and potentially Miami that feel the same way. So I just think we're getting to a point to where we're just going to have two major conferences at some point. I just don't know when that day is going to come. Yeah, Harry, I think, you know, Matt said it earlier when he was talking with Pete that this is about one thing and one thing only, and that's money, right? That's revenue. And how much of it can you bring in to not only be a competitor on the national landscape, because that's what we keep hearing Florida State talk about. They're really concerned about their main revenue producer not being able to compete on a national landscape because it's a $30 million gap per year. Hey, listen, I, I understand that. But I also listened to Pete Thamble talk about the Pac-12 and some of the jockeying that's going on there. And, you know, I grew up on the West Coast. I remember the old Pac-8, then the Pac-10, and then the Pac-12. But listen, we got to get rid of all the warm and fuzzies out there, okay? This isn't rainbows and unicorns. This is about survival. This is about dollars that are going to fund your university and then fund what are your Olympic sports or your non-revenue producing sports. So, yeah, would it be sad to not have the Pac-12 or the Pac-10 or the Pac-9, whatever you want to call it? Yes, it would. But if you're Arizona, you're Arizona State, you're Utah, or you're Oregon or Washington, and you're talking about a 30 or a $40 million difference by getting out of the league and going into the Big 12 or into the Big 10, you're crazy if you don't do that. Yeah, and, and, and Luke, I would say this. When you look at a school like Florida State, uh, my brother is, a, is an alum of that, of that university. Their basketball team is normally good. They win, their women's basketball team is normally good. They're good in baseball, soccer, uh, gymnastics, a lot of other things. Also, uh, across the board, when you look at how this football drives the revenue for a lot of these universities, I think that's another thing that, you know, the president of Florida State University is looking at when it comes to that revenue coming in to that university and being able to spread it uh, wi uh, openly and widely uh, across their university. This uh, college football world is changing by the second. We'll continue to keep tabs on it here on College Football Live. Up next, Georgia has been in the SEC for 90 years. That's how long it's been since a program won three straight national championships. Is the first three-peat in the AP poll era more likely than not? We'll dive into the dogs. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Challenge everything you've done to this point. We got something special to prove and do this year. You were born for this. You move from point A to point B and you strike. We're going to kick that door in. Let's take it to them and give them hell. Once again, this is all we got. Let's do it. Well, let's get ready to live in Georgia's world again. Back-to-back national championships, 65-7 dismantling of TCU. The last team to win three straight natties, Minnesota, which was accomplished just a few years after Georgia joined the SEC, mid-1930s, before the AP poll was created. Magic, Harry Douglas, Tom Luganville. Luke, start with you. What's your biggest concern about their quest for a three-peat? Um, it's not talent. Uh, it's not even breaking in a new quarterback. Really what it is is complacency. And I think that's Kirby Smart's biggest job this offseason, getting this team prepared for, for fall camp, is how do you play at such a high standard uh, with a group of young people when everybody's telling you how good you are? And everybody's pointing to the schedule and saying, oh, my God, look at Georgia's schedule. Well, you know what? You look at that schedule, and there's probably not a team on that schedule that has Georgia's too deep. They've got two difficult road environments and at Auburn and at Tennessee. All right, aside from that, the way I look at this, Harry, if Georgia is to lose a game, they're going to have to help out the opponent, and the opponent that beats them will have had to play their best game of the year. Yeah, I feel the same way, Lugs. You look at just a year ago where they struggled with Kent State. That was a 10-point ball game late into that third quarter. You look at the game against Missouri, and Stetson Bennett had to work some magic, and they figured out a way to come back and win that game. They cannot be complacent. They're back-to-back national champions. So, yes, they're going to be feeling themselves a lot more so than they were a year ago after winning one national championship. And I think for Kirby Smart, it's tough. I'm not going to sit up here and say it's easy because these kids are, what, 17, 18, 19 years old, 20 years old, and they're going to be feeling good about the accomplishments that they had the year before. But what they got to understand that no year is going to be the same as the previous year. You have new bodies and new teammates as well. So I think if they can keep their head in the right places, this team has a a, a huge chance to to win three in a row. You know you've... You know you've made it in college football when an 11-1 and regular season would be a very disappointing year for your program. That is certainly <laughs> the case there in Georgia. Uh, coming up next, fall camp at Camp Randall. A new coach and a new approach. Will Wisconsin hit the ground running in Luke Fickle's first season? Saturday, we'll once again have the Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony for you on ESPN. Class of 2023 includes Rondé Barber, Darrell Revis, Marcus Ware, and Joe Thomas. Coverage begins at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, and can also be found on the ESPN app. Mentioned Joe Thomas, Wisconsin native, former Badger, part of that long line of NFL offensive linemen running the football down the throats of the opposition. Now, under Luke Fickle, the offense will be different, maybe leaning more on the pass than in years past. They're starting camp at UW-Platteville. Luke Fickle, gonna feel like a college kid again. 
Coach, I'm wondering if uh, you've picked out a roommate for your dorm yet, and uh, are you going to do lofts? Are you decorating anything particular? We, I haven't been there yet, so I'm going to go out in there and see if we can actually stack the beds. And um, I, it's it's a crapshoot, so we're going to show up, and they're going to give you a little card, and you don't know who your roommate is yet. So I think no, don't anybody tell anybody. I think I actually have one by myself. So I. I don't know that for a fact, and, and like I said, we can improvise and adapt and adjust. And so, if there is somebody in there, we we maybe they may be having to move into the into the foyer or something. I don't know. All right, adjustments uh, with the sleeping arrangements there on the road. Uh, what about the adjustments with this football program, Tom Luganville? How's this going to work? I don't know where they're going to get the athletes, the skilled athletes, to do what Phil Longo has become accustomed to doing both in his tenure at Ole Miss as the offensive coordinator and obviously most recently at North Carolina. I do think they have an upgrade at quarterback in Tanner Mordecai. Got a great running back. We know what you're going to have in the offensive line. I still think they're going to run the football, and I think there's going to be a concerted effort to do so. The window dressing is just going to be different. But how do they come up with the explosive plays? How do they win the one-on-one matchups? with a roster that hasn't been accustomed, Harry, to having a bunch of just jets on the perimeter that you got to worry about when you're having to cover the field and cover all of that skill. Wisconsin hasn't had that. Yeah, Lugs, uh, my mindset when it comes to Wisconsin, the first thing I think about is offensive linemen and the way they love to punch people in the mouth and the physicality. When I look at their strong suit right now, from an offensive uh, uh, standpoint, the running backs, they have two good ones in Braylon Allen and also Malusi. So I, I don't know how they're just going to go to throwing the football all around when the strong point of that offense is that offensive line and also those two running backs that they have. You know, it's interesting because the quarterback used to be in Wisconsin kind of the complementary piece, and now they want it to be a driving force. That's what yeah. they were hoping Graham Mertz would be, and now he's in Gainesville. What, what is the ceiling here for, for a program like this that is trying to break through that elite level? They finished in the top ten in years past here, Harry, but there's the difference between top ten and top five. Well, I think it's all about foundation, right? Coach Luke Fickle coming into that program now, which I, I, th- I thought it was a great hire, laying the foundation and understanding and letting people know in that, in that program the standard is going to be the standard. It won't be compromised for anyone. So I think they, they have a good chance to build some foundational pieces this season. Do I think they're going to win the Big Ten? No. But you build off what you have and see where it takes you in years uh, when it comes to the future. Luke's? You know, Harry the, Harry, the one thing, too, about this is rarely do you get to take on a job uh, where it's not a dumpster fire, where you don't inherit just a disaster of a roster. That's far from it here in Wisconsin. So there is already a healthy foundation of history, tradition, and success that Luke Fickle is inheriting. Well, uh, it's going to be interesting to watch and how they do. And uh, can't wait to see this weekend. we got the Hall of Fame game coming up. Harry, congratulations and best of luck in your Hall of Fame induction uh, ceremony <laughs> with that jacket. <laughs> Looks good, buddy. Thank you, Chick. <laughs> I thought he was hosting Monday Night Football in 79. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, with the stick mic. There you go. Uh, we're back. Yeah. We're back on Monday, 5 o'clock Eastern on ESPN2. We'll continue to cover this sport as the uh, conference realignment world spins. Have a great weekend.